This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the uh, the Tamburino stand. Here we are with the Yeovil Town Manager, are you happy today? You're going oh, yes. to win the game? Yes, we are. 4 0, mate. 4 0 Yeovil today. Cheers, manager. Here we are, just outside the stadium. Here's, oh, here's good a, memories. Here's a picture of when Yeovil won the Champions League. Good memories. Won good the Europa League in that one. Big club, you know. Usually, every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. Jonathan Codger, and at the far post, it's fired home by Conor Horahan. But Aston Villa looking to avoid unwanted headlines tonight. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And uh, the good news is I've actually found a friend to join me. Oh, friend. Chris Buds, welcome back. It's It's been a while. Thank you. Been a l- long and stressful summer, but we're, back, but we're back in the game. It hasn't actually been that long. We did record a show uh, a few weeks ago that never materialised because dodgy mics. Lack of enthusiasm. Yeah, no, the, I, I played it back because I thought I'd, I'd put this out as a bonus. And I, the first thing I had to do was like speed it up and uh, increase the pitch because we were so kind of dour. This was, uh, put it in context, this is when Villa were amidst a uh, financial meltdown and it looked like Henry Lansbury was going to be the captain uh, for this forthcoming season. So uh, I think we're on the verge of administration at this point. Exactly. Well, that's, I mean, what other clue do you need more than Henry Lansbury becoming the captain? That basically translates to uh, liquidation. Sorry, uh, apologies to any Henry Lansbury fans out there, or indeed Henry Lansbury himself. So let's, let's start off with three points. Number one, apparently 
So everybody keeps saying, this is the best Villa start to the season since 1962. We've hardly played anybody, have we? That's bonkers, isn't it, that it's taken us that many years to win three games at the start of the season. Yeah, and bear in mind, uh, obviously one of them was a League Cup and... uh, the villa that I used to support never used to enter the League Cup at this uh, such a stage. Even the second round was considered yeah, a bit even, off, wasn't even, it? Even the, even the second round was frowned upon because uh, one was expecting to be in Europe, so automatically you would be entering at the third round stage. But in terms of the league, the first time that Villa have won their opening two games since 1999, I mean... I mean, what's been going wrong for the last 19 years? Lack of John Gregory? Uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about the Martin O'Neill years as the uh, the six 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 years, as I like to call them, uh, as some kind of, you know, great days. But obviously he didn't even manage to win his first two games. No, and from what I read, I'm sure Bruce has got a, a much bigger win percentage than him already, which is staggering. Yeah, but he is obviously, uh, he's on a safe wicket in the championship. Ah, yes. And this is, this is something that we do uh, tend to forget. But uh, I, I will start to get more excited. I mean, if we can, if we can uh, let's say, beat Ipswich. And then, we've got, and then we've got two winnable home games, haven't we? We've got Brentford and then, uh, is it Reading? I yeah, think I think Reading. Brentford are obviously, back I think of back. all those games, I mean, I would fancy us to beat Ipswich over actually beating Brentford at home because uh, we've played Brentford obviously four times since we've been down in the championship and failed to beat them once and occasionally been played off the park by them. So, uh, And they, they look, they've, looked, they've looked pretty good as well, you know. They've started well. They play really yeah, I quite football. like their away kit, actually. It's the same uh, Adidas template as uh, the Blues, but it's, it's got this 70s uh, brown and orange look to it. So uh, we'll we'll talk about kits now, shall we? Uh, the Villa Let's, kits, all, all three, three of them, them now. It's, I thought the third kit, there was obviously a lot of hype about it. I mean, obviously, these uh, shirt cycles, uh, it's all, you know, it's all a marketing uh, thing to... You raise, especially with social media, you raise the hype and then obviously uh, sell a few off the back of that. But uh, this third kit, normally a third kit, if there's a reason, apart from making you know a few extra bucks, is because the two kits potentially won't, won't work against a certain colour shirt. But uh, this one's too really close to the, the home shirt, really. It doesn't offer that much. Well, it's, yeah, the, I, I get why you'd have a dark kit. And I was a, you know, a big fan of that 95, 96 navy one, which may be what it was styled on a bit. But it, it kind of just looks like a training top. I mean, it's quite cool and futuristic, but it doesn't... Is it needed? No, really? it's, it's got that same clarity purple as the Under Armour. Yeah, it's... It's it's very uh it's at the pink end of claret, yeah. should we say? The home kit is quite retro. Obviously, it's uh, a direct spin off of the uh, circa eighty four kit home shirt, and uh, this I suppose is a bit more uh, you know fashionable or let's say more modern to use a, a better word. Yeah, the home the home kit's smart, isn't it? Aren't they one hundred and eighty percent up? As yeah, well there, there was what, there was some kits which is crazy. They're out of stock. There was some they? crazy figure like seven hundred percent up on last year, or, or, but I I didn't surprised. know what the context of that seven hundred percent actually was. I don't know. I mean, to to sell that many more is you know fair play. I suppose over the summer everybody's been clutching at straws for good uh, good news. So the fact that we can get excited about a, a nylon shirt. At fifty-five slash fifty pounds is uh, it's pretty desperate. Yeah, I mean, really. obviously, when they were hyping it in the first place, they were talking about how uh, this one's for the fans. It's all about the fans, blah blah blah. And you're just thinking, well, uh, the only thing that's uh, about the fans is if they price it. Uh, and it was actually fifty-five pounds. It came out at, which was more than last year's shirt. And you thought, yeah, that's really for the fans. Uh, yeah. 
One thing I will give them props for, though, which is very cool, is that you can obviously personalise your yeah. shirt, can't you? And that's pretty. I think that's a really nice. Yeah, touch. I was just sorry. I was just about to mitigate the uh, the price thing. Uh, I mean, I mentioned it on social media, and as did a few other people. And then the next day, the club actually uh, dropped a fiver off it, so they realised that it probably wasn't the greatest idea. I mean, obviously, you know, you bank on you thinking, well, there's a captive market out there. X amount will all buy the shirt, so you know, stick an extra fiver on it because we'll get it back in our times. Of need yeah and to be fair the the sort of the leisure wear and the, the training stuff is a lot cheaper isn't it than the yeah under i think under armor yeah. just bizarrely took the piss I, I i don't understand how you know how they come to such prices because some of them are like bizarre we're talking like i mean I, I don't know the specific prices but you'd look at like a training top uh like a hoodie or something it'd be like 80 quid where you would yeah. consider like fifty quid to be expensive for such a thing. Yeah, I know the. I think they call them the the stadium jackets, don't they? That yeah. they walk out. You know, this year's ones are really smart, and they're really. I think they're about, they're about fifty pounds as well. They're really affordable mm. compared to the you know astronomical amounts that Under Armour were charging. So Chris Bird, fifty quid to him's nothing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it makes no difference because either way, I won't exactly, be buying a shirt. Exactly, that's why it's affordable because I, I actually bought a shirt uh, off eBay, and but it was a New York Jets American football shirt. I've supported the New York Jets for like since the 80s, late 80s. And I've never had a shirt, never. I mean, I don't buy uh, replica shirts, but this was like beautiful mint condition. It was almost like custom built. It was like extra long, my size, excellent condition. And then you get it. And it's all good, but when you put it on, you just feel like to finish off the look, you need a can of beer in your hand. Now contrast that to contrast yeah. that to the football kit and go, and go tailgating exactly. But you yeah. you know like a big hamburger in one hand, a, a bit. It just feels like that's the natural transition. But contrast that to uh, football shirts. It's always funny when you go to preseason games, and especially the uh, the Under Armour was quite a figure hugging kit. And you go to the games, and you know there's a certain type of fan that enjoys a beer shall we say or a beer or 10 and there they are guts hanging out from these tight fitting shirts and you're just thinking yeah at least the american football teams are actually thinking about their fans and their demographic when they uh, they create their shirts because <laughs> most people are like sending messages to the club going yeah so what's the fit on these when you say extra large do i do i need three <laughs> yeah. sizes up or uh yeah, is this is, is, is a, is a slim line going to be too slim for me? It's, it's just quite a funny little side culture, the whole uh, the shirt sizing thing. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I mentioned uh, going to the Lego Discovery Center. We, I spoke about this uh, when we recorded the podcast show, mainly because that's what I did before I met you. But the main reason to uh, mention this, as you probably have seen on the My Man Said uh, social media channels, is there is a villa park there and there's actually a room a big big room i mean this is for kids generally they don't let adults in unless they have a kid with them and one big room is a recreation of birmingham with all the main uh, things built as lego for example uh, you know edgebaston the university the town center mailbox more street station rotunda and all that and the rotunda yep. And I think it took about nine. It took nine months, nine people, nine months to uh, recreate Birmingham in uh, Lego. And they have a Villa Park, which uh, is pretty impressive, uh, as you've probably seen from the pictures. And it's actually uh, you can actually score a goal at Villa Park, and a commentary uh, comes up. But one thing they don't really advertise is uh, it's a half and half stadium, and the other half is what do they call it now? A trillion dollar, uh, whatever it's, trillion trophy I mean, that stadium. That's the most ironic naming of a of a stadium ever. 
But yeah, Saint I could still call it Saint Andrews. Well, unless you unless it was going to be sponsored by Always Full. <laughs> I don't think Villa fans have really worked hard enough on that trillion trophy uh, stage because it's just like an open goal for gags, really, and we haven't really. Uh... I mean, I think it's. I think what we're doing is we're building up to yeah. it come May because if all goes wrong, it's 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 a it's a tap in that one, isn't it? But actually, uh, the away trips are tap in. I mean, uh, for like flags and stuff. But anyway, if you've got kids, the Le- Lego Discovery Center near the uh, Sea Life Center, I think it's quite opposite. There's a giant Lego giraffe outside of it but definitely worth checking out to see and there's, there's loads of things for kids to do but the Birmingham thing uh, I think it's more like for adults almost the Birmingham thing because it is actually uh, pretty interesting to see then maybe you might even see a, a little Lego figure outside of the whole tent uh, oh, that was modelled on yourself me I think I was the one with the he- my head in the hands <laughs> that must have been me <laughs> yeah I think uh, I'm the one that's building a gallows pole in the in the car park I'm just glad they didn't have a uh, a Lego Wembley there because uh, that would have I'd have just started crying I think uh, if I saw that. I mean that'd be you know a really bad use of Lego clackers <laughs> as well, wouldn't it? Lego clappers. Let alone prawn sandwiches. Just want a quick uh, shout out to the uh, My Old Man Said patrons, and uh, I just want to thank uh, Ross Guilds, Mark Bucknell, and also thanks for the email uh, all the way from Australia, Mark. Uh, thank you for those kind words, Christian Lawson. Uh, Statham, he's got a double barrel name, so he must play for the uh, Villa under 23s. And also, uh, Matthew James, thank you very much. We've got over 100 patrons, so that, that's a fantastic foundation. But uh, please do sign up if you want to support the website and the show. Uh, go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on patron on the menu bar. Thank you very much. All right, let's get on to uh, events on the pitch. We'll start off with the Oval, since obviously it's uh, happened. But, you know, we'll talk about Villa in the context of the season so far, the Hull away game and uh, the Wigan at home. First thing I wanted to see was uh, Axel Zanzibi at uh, centre-back. And uh, obviously Bruce reads my old man said, so he's obviously obliged. I mean, but sorry, Bruce came out saying that he was going to obviously shuffle the pack. He, well, he, did he make six changes for that Wigan game and then obviously made a load of changes for the Oval game and saying that he was learning from last season because maybe he was a bit too stubborn playing the same players. But this whole learning from like last season doesn't he remember what happened when Yedinak played at centre-back last season? It seemed a bit of a strange one, but what do you think of Axel's performance against Yeovil? I mean, it was almost like a pre-season behind closed-door game that they'd set up just to test him at centre-back. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think he's, um, I mean, he's, he's clearly a, a you know, really good athlete. Yeah. You know, he's strong and he's quite quick. I th- it's hard to gauge him, isn't it? Because I don't know if he'll actually play with Elphick through the season yeah. you'd guess he won't unless he decides to magically play a three at the back or something so if it's with Chester I think he'll take a little bit of time to develop a partnership with him but he's certainly the centre-back who's got a bit more pace than Chester and probably more than Terry yeah. as well last year he kind of gets he gets caught out but he I think recovers though doesn't he when he gets caught out he's got yeah he's got he's got the recovery and there was the one where he cleared off the line which I, th- I think he reads the game well I think as Bruce has said he's just going to need games and there's a there's a few of the guys in the in the team and in the squad that they just need game time. But I think he's a good player. So in terms of let's say this the next games 
if you throw in Yedinak, the idea of Yedinak as a centre-back out, out the window, would you go Chester Elphick? And just to speak in Elphick's corner, when he came in for Terry last season, I thought he did a decent job and I couldn't understand why uh, Bruce didn't just keep him in there instead of like messing around with uh, Yedinak. Or do you go and develop the Chester and Axel combination? I mean, I'm happy with either, really. When it comes down to it, I don't really care as long as they, whoever it is, as long as they form a partnership. Because obviously Chester's going to play. If he's fit, he plays. So it's going to be yeah. one or the other. I'd rather it was those two over Yedinak. That's, that's so. called sitting on the fence. If you had to make the decision... I'd play Twan Zabe, just because I think when I've, whenever I've seen Elphick and Chester, I mean, I saw them yeah. obviously the whole game, because neither of them are that yeah. quick, they've both got to be on it with their positioning and reading of the game. And between them, you know, they haven't played that many games since the start of the sort of yeah. Di Matteo reign, really. So whoever plays with Chester, it's almost like a new partnership anyway, especially when you factor in having a new goalkeeper. Sure. I mean, while we're on the subject of the defence, if Axel slips in at centre-back, do you play Hutton over Delat, or do you put Delat at right-back and then Hutton over the left and boot out Taylor? To me, it actually ends... It, you, you end up moving further forward, and it's, it's how you set up your right winger, because if you, Elmo plays at right wing, I'd play Delat with him. I think you've got a, a good balance on that side yeah. and they're both quick. At this stage, I'd probably play Hutton over Taylor at left back now that we've got McGinnin because you've got the natural left footer or Hurahan yeah. who can go out that way. I mean, you, you discussed it before. Twanzabi as a fullback doesn't offer you much going forward. I don't think Taylor offers you much no. going forward either. He tends to kind of you know, get to the halfway line and panic. I mean, does occasionally get in there. There's no real kind of cutting edge. No. I mean, one thing I really like about Hutton on either side is when, when the, the game opens up for him, he'll run into the space and he'll really get yeah. you up the field quickly, which which is something that Taylor won't do. Delat, to be fair, is deceivingly quick. I know we, we saw him yeah. against West yeah. Ham and he came on and he was, you know, he's, he's pretty he's sharp. So I think he might slot in at right back. Hutton will probably slot in at left back and then it will depend on whether El Mohamedy plays either as a right sort of winger or if he's going to bring somebody in as to whether it's Elmo or Delat. Quite interesting that uh, James Bree couldn't even get in the team uh, for the Oval game, which isn't a good sign. No, and then when when, when he came off the bench, he's, you know, his first pass rolled out for a throw-in. I think he's one of those who just pretty desperately needs game time, which he, I don't think he's going to get at Villa. It's going to probably have to be on loan. Most fans didn't know who uh, Joe Bryan was from Bristol City. And then obviously got uh, a bit pissed off when he uh, did his U-turn. He could be a, just another James Bree because James Bree was hyped as like one of the best young English defenders and was playing you know in the Barnsley first team. And Bruce had seen him play three times before he signed him. And you know managers well normally uh, they'll go and watch it one or two times uh, at this kind of level if at all. Because remember uh, in the interview with uh, Nalen, the goalkeeper, the Norwegian goalkeeper, he said he hadn't actually spoken to Bruce yet. I didn't. I didn't realise that. I, th- I think. I think with Bree, it's a th- one of those things where. He saw a young lad in probably a very average side who was yeah. one of the standout players. And then to come to Villa, where all of a sudden there's expectation on him and the pressure isn't to stay in the division, it's to get out of the division. And even maybe training with much better players every day, he possibly got found out and his confidence Because one of the things dipped. it says on the, the, the tin of Brie is that he's good going forward. And I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm seen yet little to see bits, that. flashes of it, but nothing that kind of convinces you uh, that he should be given a, a run. But I think going back to that balance of McGinn, obviously Green uh, getting back in obviously gives you a bit more balance as well, uh, having a natural left footer on that side. So you, 
there is more uh, compensation, shall we say, for Hudson playing out there. Yeah, and, and also if, if Green, again, he'll get you further up the pitch. It's that having natural pace in one Yeah, games. I mean, looking uh, back at that Yeovil game, uh, Bruce was right when he said we got away with that because that game could have gone any which way. I mean, we were poor, let's be honest. We were, for long periods, especially at the back, we just looked all over the place. It looked like a makeshift team, which is, which is exactly what it was. You know, we had little moments. Obviously, Green had a great effort and Grealish had a good effort. We got into good positions, but we just lacked any sort of fluidity on the ball. And it was just, it was that you know, scrappy and convincing win that me and you had been joking about for the last 18 months under Bruce, really. I mean, a lot of people have said, well, the way forward is to play youngsters, play youngsters. But there's, it, it's, it's all good on social media seeing uh, Hepburn Murphy score a hat trick, you know, under 23s when they flash those scores up. But when you actually go and see and watch the reality of it, it's a different thing. And I think this was another example of when Hepburn Murphy comes up against men. I don't think it's not like when you used to watch Michael Owen come through the ranks when he was 16, 17, he had like raw, raw pace to, um, and as sharp as a whippet yeah. and he and he in the first two yards he would be out of sight or had latched on and the ball was in the net Hepburn Murphy when the ball's at his feet and the defender's on his shoulder doesn't have that raw pace to burn him off people normally stay with him or you know even dispossess him and I don't you know I'm not convinced there no I think you know you look at a lot of these sort of like the, the wonder kid players, for lack of a better word, when they come into these teams, like an Owen's a great example, then those guys are normally stepping into quite yeah. an established team who have a pattern of play and they, you know, like Owen, for example, would have slotted into that side and they'd have known exactly Good point, how to get yeah. the best out of Owen. We traditionally, especially under Bruce, tactically don't get the best out of what we've got. So you look, you know, you had Hepburn Murphy, who I don't even yeah. think six foot up against two big guys and they're still lumping it up and he's playing with his back to goal. Now, neither Hepburn, Murphy, Codger, uh, Hogan. We've only really got Keenan Davis, who wants to play with his back to goal, yet we still persist on playing with one up front and play with their back to goal, which surely we'd be better, as was proven with the goal. Actually, when you get it in behind them and let Codger run at people, that's where the goal if came from. If Bruce is going to persist on playing this way, you might as well make Davis the captain and just just let him go for it. Yeah. Because as you said, he's the only, only forward who can actually play yeah. that way. And I mean, Doyle Hayes, for example, is... He's a tidy player, but he he would serve a team. For example, uh, I don't know, that the Liverpool team we were talking about, Doyle Hayes in a good team would slot in and keep it tidy, keep the ball moving, and he would look even you know better than he is, if you know what I mean. It's an easier wicket. I think so, yeah. I think, yeah, for someone like him, and we've, we've discussed this before, that he's, there's a couple of them who are like that as well, who are very technically good on the ball, but he's you look at him compared to the other players around him, he's just not physically developed yet. He's one of those who you think, go and get a year on loan, you know, build yourself up a little bit and get confident in you know in competitive games. And he could be a good player, but it's at, at this point for where Villa are at, and you look at the players we've got in midfield, you just you can't take the risk. Grealish also has has problems because he's he's not playing in a team that let's say is a good team and he can just slot in. He has to make the running and he has to. A lot of it's on his shoulders. Even at this stage, it's that's kind of it's how desperate. Bruce says it's not really like, oh, Grealish, he is like a young Messi. We will build a team around him. It's it's almost like, well, what, I haven't got any other options. I'll just, he's the only one who can do it on his own. Yeah, I mean, the Wigan home game was a, a good example of that, where you, the amount of times he was picking the ball up off the centre-backs. And you think, you want, yeah. you know, you want Grealish 20, 30 yards further up the field where he can influence the game. Now, that role yeah. is for a Whelan or um, a Bjarnason, who I thought was actually really poor against Wigan. Apart from an in injury time. <laughs> 
Yeah, he had a good, yeah, had a good, a good final time. four minutes and <laughs> got himself out of jail, didn't he? But you know, that, yeah. he's got that in him in his game, and I think he'll be the. I think Bruce roughly yeah. knows the midfield he wants to play. If everyone's fit, I think he knows what he wants wants to play now, unless something miraculous comes off in the low. In line. my uh, solo podcast that I did, good first day of listenership actually it was broke the record. Maybe um, I've been held back by all you guys. I don't know. Uh, sorry, I was just thinking out aloud there. Probably that's it's our, it's our slow brummy delivery, isn't it? I think on that on the last podcast, I was going out on the limb a bit, just based on what I saw, and I, and I got good vibrations from how McGinn and Grealish could potentially link up, and and they were their understanding and was growing as the game actually went on. And you see those two together suddenly can change the way that Villa play into a certain extent and, and actually be a bit more progressive. And they can potentially unlock Green and make him, let's say, more effective. And also Hogan, if Hogan ever comes back and plays for Villa again. McGinn was, you know, always running, always offering himself. And and it took Grealish in that game was he was McGinn was alongside him, but he was playing like a longer ball. But then in the second half, he started to trust yeah, him a bit more, yeah. McGinn's a good foil for him, isn't he? I think, I mean, I used the, the word all through the game and spoke to you afterwards, and it was the word snappy. Snap, what a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound I've found. You may clap, rap, tap, slap, but snap makes the world go round. To describe McGinn, he's got that, that bit of bite in his game that Grealish isn't necessarily going to be a ball winner. I don't think Hurahan wants to be, but he can kind of, yeah. he'll put shift in. McGinn yeah, really yeah. likes all the physical stuff. For someone who's not that big, and then when he gets on the ball, he will just go pop, 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 and he'll knock the passes around. I insist that pops the sound. The best is missed unless pops around. You can't stop hopping when the cereal's popping. Pop makes the world go round. He wants to keep the ball, or he'll look up and run into, if there's space to run into, he'll go. And that's what he gives you, which maybe Horahan isn't going to carry the ball. And Grealish can, but he's obviously not, he's not a lightning quick player. He sort of, you know, Grealish um, sort of glides around the field. Um, McGinn flaps by his own admission, you know, with his wanky, like, wanky elbows. <laughs> oh, he's wanky, yeah, wanky, wanky <laughs> elbows, whatever they are. So you're saying he runs like he's wanking. Frantically. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, sorry, we're trying to introduce a bit more smut into the show uh, while uh, Dan. Bit of blue. While, bit of blue for the dads. While Dan is on holiday, I think Hurahan now is a bit more focused because he's placed in the first 11s under threat and he's making vital contributions so far. Obviously, he uh, scored the winner against Yeovil and then set up, came on, you know, only for a matter of minutes. And well, set I think up that's, that's important, Wigan. isn't it? At any level, is you want contributions from the bench, or that's the whole point of Villa having a squad and this whole yeah. thing of Bruce saying, oh, he's, he's supposedly learnt from his mistakes. In that last year, we had the same, it was generally the same guys were impacting games. You know, you had a Doma or Hurahan, Grealish in the second half of the season. It was the same, your key performers were the same key performers. We didn't have many people come in and then stay in the team. Like Bjarnason came off the bench on numerous occasions, did well, yeah. didn't keep his place in the team. What I was saying about Hurahan, I was alluding to the fact that McGinn is, is now keeping him on his toes. So he, he obviously has to come on and, and prove himself. While in the past, there's just been a bit, you know, there's people come on and it's just pretty much the same effort that seems to uh, happen but I think Hurahan after having a season as being the main man and now uh, being under threat that's what's kind of motivating him now and, that, and that's I'd that's say good so for and, Villa. And, um, and the thing for with McGinn is he's one of those guys who you can tell he'll get the team and the fans going there was one moment yeah. where 
I think it was the Wigan right back had the ball and he legged it from the centre circle, nailed him into touch. That's the sort of stuff that gets the fans on side, which is one thing that you'd you'd never get that out of someone like Onoma last season. Yeah. As far as like a like for like bit of business, spending a little bit of money to get McGinn compared to Onoma is a fantastic bit of business. It's something we haven't had that snap crackle and pop. Yeah, for a while. I was reading uh, about Celtic getting knocked out the uh, the Champions League and a team loses a game and there's a whole autopsy of what's gone wrong and, and they're, they're mentioning uh, Celtic didn't really buy anybody or get anybody in and obviously McGinn uh, was on their list and you know they looked likely to get him when obviously Villa were in their financial meltdown but uh, they one of the I think it was Pat Nevin made a little jibe saying they spent two million pounds on disco lights for Parkhead for the Champions League you know to like flash them around in the build-up and uh, so essentially uh, for two just over two million we got I think potentially would be a top man for Celtic and for two million they got a load of uh, disco lights which they can't use now because they've still got to qualify for the Europa League haven't they so it could be that they don't even get European football although Chris I've got to admit I am looking forward to the days when Villa can just splash two million on some disco lights uh, for Villa Park for for the Champions League for European nights with our newly redeveloped North Stand yeah, with a disco ball on the ro- on the roof. Maybe when they do that North Stand uh, expansion, I mean, probably not in our lifetimes, but maybe nah, the uh, maybe Champions League disco lights are part of the plans. They're actually inbuilt, so they don't have to uh, add them in later. I mean, I, mean, I would hope. I would hope one, so. One can only hope. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, any, any other observations from the I think uh, it's the just question so marks, far? isn't it? The goalkeepers, that's a big question mark for starters. Oh yeah, sorry, we're, we're, we've just skipped loads of things there. For this, let's start, I mean, let's just have a look at the makeup. I mean, we've we've pretty much dealt with the defence, so just go back one position to the goalkeeper situation and... 
I think Villa fans are having a few sleepless nights. I mean, I was mentioning uh, on a previous podcast with Dan that Sorensen used to give me sleepless nights. And so what about these two guys? I mean, let's let's start with the Oval game first. I mean, Moreira, he had one of the weirdest debuts. Andre Moreira on his debut for Aston Villa, looking to try and keep Fisher out. It's Fisher! Moreira with the save! A big moment on his debut! He rescues Aston Villa! If you read the match report, you'd say, clean sheet, saved a penalty. What a, what a, what a great debut. But if you watch the game, he looked awful. Like does, He didn't, didn't command his box and flapping at everything. He and... had no, no conviction. Every time he came out, it was like a half-hearted punch. He went and then pulled back. I joked on uh, Twitter that for a goalkeeper who kept a clean sheet and saved a penalty, that was one of the worst debuts I've ever seen. And if yeah, that's if I'd agree, I'd agree if that's with that. him on an off day, then uh, he'll never concede a goal while he plays for Villa because maybe the guy's just blessed with luck. You know, a lot of people obviously said, "Oh, David De Gea, he you know he was shocking in his early game," and Sam Johnson. But Sam Johnson, his first game was against Spurs, and he played all right. And he knew obviously keepers have nerves or whatever. But Johnson's only problem was his distribution and his kicking. Now this guy yeah. looked like a bad continental keeper. I mean, it's early days, you know, you want to see him and we'll see him again, obviously, in the cup. But thank God he saved that penalty because if they got knocked out... I mean, out, it was an awful uh, penalty. Let's have that right as yeah, well. well. It was a bloody dreadful penalty. You can penalty. only save what comes your way, but... And he could have dived the other way just for kicks. Or not, or at, not all. at all. yeah. Or, or just dived over it, which I'd have put my money on uh, up until that point. I found it a strange one. When he came in first, you thought, OK, he's there to challenge Steer. But then when Orjan Nayland came in, you realise that Nayland's coming in, or Nyland was coming in to be number one, or battle with Steer. But then when Steer went out on loan, you just thought that was obviously planned from the start, because why why bring in this Portuguese I mean, kid? yeah, why, why, why would you loan a third-choice goalkeeper? You, you wouldn't, would you? I don't, I don't see the point. If you know when you've got Burn and you've got Sarkic there. Because Steers... For sort of his reserve team. Proved himself to be, let's say at this level, an OK keeper. I mean, he was good for Huddersfield I mean, when, I like he, when the guy. he was there I, I, I was sort of... I wouldn't go as far as to say sad to see him leave, but I thought he was more than deserving of a, a shot. You know, I get why you'd have brought in another goalkeeper to to give him, yeah. you know, competition. But I think he's kicking. If anything, he's actually better than Johnson's. I think he's a good shot stopper. I think from what Bruce's interviews have said, it's just that his his lack of physical presence yeah, is think... one thing, and his and his fitness record is appalling. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking uh, because these guys had literally walked through the door that they'd have kept Steer just for another week and had him play against Wigan. And I don't know about the cup game. Obviously, a cup game is a good chance to try out any keeper. But then, then I thought to myself, well, you know, the best way to try out keepers is, you know, throw them in the deep end straight away. Yeah, I mean, I think with certainly with the two the two new lads, I think you, you can't judge them really until you know that well, that's going to be the back four yeah. or the back five if they go that way, and then it's you know they'll get set. And I think that Nyland suffered uh, against Wigan because a big crowd at Villa Park is is obviously looking for the confidence, and he's hasn't got a settled centre-back partnership in front of him and then suddenly Yedinak sends him a hospital ball which obviously leads to uh, Fulham's uh, equaliser and he looked a bit flappy in the second half as well and one of my talents is I can tell a keeper just by looking at him if he's any good or not and when I looked at him I thought oh fuck is it a haircut it's that it's the gloves it's that kind the, of like the black on black yeah, I I don't, yeah. the vibes are I mean, I mean, I mean Villa's, Villa's record with Scandinavian goalkeepers isn't the best 
If we're talking about Sorensen, Enkelman, uh, and Schmeichel at the end of his career. I was career. just about to say, do not mention the E word, but uh, somebody on uh, Twitter actually said, this is another Enkelman. Well, actually, I think the, Moreira, he was referring as the new Enkelman. I could, I'd agree you with that. You can kind of see that. They're, they have a similar... I think he needs to get in the gym a bit just to give himself a bit... Buff himself up just so he's a bit more confident coming out because he was hesitating pretty much every ball that he came for. And there was a... Yeah. There was a problem just awaiting yeah. every yeah. I mean, time in, he came out. In both out. of their defence, I would actually say hesitancy, as you've said, was the, the thing that's kind of been right throughout the yeah. team in the first few games. It's that lack of the cohesion that's not quite there yet. You think once he gets a settled centre-back pairing and every week in training, you'd like to think he'll grow into his role. Um, so you know, I'll sort of leave it until maybe start of October to judge more fairly oh yeah i mean there's obviously you can't judge anybody on on one game you can get obviously insights yeah, i mean bruce bruce says he's very highly regarded and people have been after him for a long time that, so. that's true but when we signed john mcginn almost unanimous outpouring of you know from from hips fans obviously especially uh, saying how great he is in terms of uh, nylon yeah. norwegians they were like a little bit of column a little bit of column b it's right. kind of polarized them well, we shall so, but see. This kind of makes it exciting anyway. Uh, actually watching a game, knowing there's a potential car crash waiting to happen, it just adds a little little layer to it. It's great for the opposition. Exactly. Well, I yeah, mean, we always better. give. We, I think you, Villa always give you a chance at the best of times. And if you were uh, if you were Yeovil, you think we'd, you'd missed a trick because yeah. that, you know, he was there for the taking. Yeah, no, they didn't really actually test him out. Even if they didn't think about it before the game, after like I don't know, say the opening ten minutes latest at half time, you just say shoot on sight. Yeah, and get it, in, and get it, in, in the, get it, in put the it box. on that six yard line, and uh, let's see what happens. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if uh, anybody starts to target the keepers in the league, Nayland, uh, knowing that he's had a bit of a shaky first game. So, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But he actually picked the ball out of his net against Wigan more times than he actually had shots to save. So I think Ipswich away will be a lot, and Brentford when they visit Villa Park will be a, a lot more of a test to see exactly uh, what his qualities are. So, we, you know, we don't want to get too cynical uh, about the keepers at this stage. But it's something that obviously people have got their eyes on now and it's uh, kind of interesting so that's the keeper that's the defence midfield we've kind of covered the Villa put a picture out at uh, Yeovil it was Grealish Chester Chester giving it a thumbs up and McGinn the three of them sitting together and, and that to me, those are the three players I'm completely comfortable about in the Villa team. Yeah, I think what you've what he's starting to get is a spine. Yeah, and if Villa are in the Premier League, I think those three players I, I wouldn't have a problem with them at all. And you know, those are three players. I think Ron Atkinson used to have a saying: "You can bet your mortgage on." And those are three players I'm completely comfortable with, and probably the only oh, yeah, three they're, players. They're, that, yeah, uh, they they're your consistent yeah. sort of players aren't they every week unfortunately you, you don't you don't see a match winner up front at no. the moment but which brings us on to the codger situation codger getting a bit of flack from somewhat the, harsh the somewhat fairly you know i think he's uh he's coming back from a long spell of injuries yeah not just last season's one you know the season before that but um, i mean is this villa fans kind of shooting themselves in the foot because they sh- really should be trying to get behind him a bit more and and obviously he he was the one who unlocked unlocked the door in uh, in the oval game and i thought that he was did well that was a great i mean for somebody who's and you know i'll hold my hand up uh, i'll criticize him uh, for his lack of keeping his head up and his lack of vision a bit of over selfishness at times I mean strikers are meant to be selfish but you know he's sometimes OTT for the detriment of the actual team but that was uh, that was sublime I mean that was 
a standard of quality above what Yeovil. Well, that was the difference in the game, uh, wasn't do. it? We, the, the the guys we brought off the bench compared to what yeah. they had raised the bar very highly. I mean, I I don't mind um, you know Codger sort of being selfish as long as he impacts the game in other ways as well. You know, he's he's fair game if he's in the you know if he's in and around the eighteen yard box, have a yeah. go at goal because someone has to be has someone has to be positive. Um, the the big thing I'd say in, in Codger's defence is. He doesn't want to play up against two centre backs with his back to goal and have the ball pumped up yeah. to him. You know, he'll he'll put a shift in, and he's a big guy. So if if you play into feet, he'll hold it up. But he's not a target man player. You know, he wants to be brought in. He wants to bring other players into play. And I think there's some of that is his, you know, his demeanour. He you know he comes when things aren't going his way, he kind of looks a bit stroppy. Yeah. The other side of that is the, the players around him have got to realise they've got to be playing 10, 15 yards further up the pitch to actually support yeah. the guy. Because one of the big things against Wigan was, you know, they, they were big, a big, quite a sort of a, a sizable team. You aren't going to win the first ball every time, but you make sure you go in and get the second. And Villa weren't getting the second ball, yeah. you know, Bjarnason, and in fact, they were all guilty of it at times. You know, you've got to have people playing off him. It was the same as last year. You know, you felt sorry for Hogan when he was up yeah. there on his own, and Codger when he was up there, and even Graben at times last year. When teams find Villa out, they just isolate the front man. And all of a sudden, the, the plan falls apart. Well, this apart. is the thing. Uh, I mean, we've seen this in three games so far, you know, regardless of uh, who was in the team. And after every game, uh, Bruce has been, you know, bemoaning the performance. But we've seen this for, what is it now, over a season and a half. And suddenly you think, well, actually, Bruce, the book has to stop with you. Because in it's terms tactical. of a style of play, there is none. There's no Villa engine. It was almost like mythology, uh, the Villa engine. It never actually existed. It was mythical. And he's going into his third season now, uh, Bruce, and really it's it seems still seems to be game to game. What he says after the game, any uh, downsides are, are things that should have been rectified. And, and here we are. We still don't know how to get strikers into the game. We don't. Hogan, most of the time, looked like a lost sheep. And now Codger's struggling to have any impact because... Doesn't seem to be any rhyme or methods to. Uh, I mean, the frustrating thing is about him. you look at a lot of our players going forward, and I think you know, if you give Hogan service, he'll score goals. If you put Codger in goal scoring positions, he'll yeah. score goals. The same with you. Know, if you get Grealish in and around the penalty area, he's going to hit the target. Green wants to do that. McGinn, from the videos we've seen, loves to do that. Horahan's got a great shot. And, you know, we've on paper we've got goals yeah. in the team. So the book, again, stops at Bruce because if you're not getting the best out of those players, there's no point in constantly having this overhaul of new players and new players and they look great on videos, their stats are brilliant because McCormack had great stats and you know other players we've brought in were great on paper, but when you actually build them into a unit, it doesn't quite yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, McCormack, uh, I mean, we've, we've said this uh, many, many times uh, on the show, but it was hard to see how he was going to fit in and how they were going to let's say open uh, open the door to all those goals he scored at other at other teams uh, i mean the good thing about like benteke when he played he was just like you just get the ball to benteke full stop and, he was a, he was a know, bully wasn't he he was he was what you're looking for from keenan davis with yeah he will take care of the rest you know he had the team on his shoulders he was we were actually a one man team to use that cliche at that time and it it seems just a waste uh, of him playing at Palace and Liverpool. Uh, still, that was the last time I was excited about a Villa player, to be honest with you. In terms of somebody who was 
delivering big time. And he was a, he was a genuine match yeah. winner, wasn't he? For, for three seasons, he was a genuine. I mean, my, match my catchphrase with him was always, "If you got Ben Teke in your team, you got a chance of beating anybody." And you know, we saw that against Liverpool. Uh, you know, yeah, more, yeah. Than, more and even than when once. We struggling, you know, he was pretty much the difference. Probably two of the seasons he was there between us going down or not. They always say that you need good strikers to get you out of this division, and uh, you know, Mitrovic. Proved to be uh, the was difference it for, six, for, was it for what four months, five months he was there, and he was. That the was the difference that fired Fulham uh, out of nowhere to uh, promotion. Bruce has hinted that there's potentially one or, or two if he uh, he manages to do it. Loans coming in. I mean, people talk about Tammy Abraham. The first time that was mentioned was I wrote a transfer rap, and uh, I actually it was just an educated guess. I just said Villa, we'd probably be looking to bring a. A striker in on loan, blah blah blah. There was that West Ham guy that was mentioned in the press. Then I said, and you know, probably as as in these uh, circumstances, they always have a list of you know four or five players. And T- Tammy Abraham is up more than likely on that list after proving himself in the Championship. That was first thing in the morning. Suddenly in the afternoon, the Birmingham Mail run a piece saying, "Oh, Tammy Abraham uh, on the list," and you, and you read that article and there's no evidence in there. Isn't it? And then straight after, suddenly it's everywhere. You know, Daily Ooh, Mail, a nice, a nice blah, bit blah, of blah, transfer tittle tattle, as Bruce. So I'm thinking, wow, is it just because I've mentioned it? And and it is. So let's say it's common sense. You would ring up if you were a football manager in the championship to see if Abraham's was available because obviously he's been on loan and that's how it works. You know, these big clubs stockpile players and, you know, loan them out to obviously give them games. I mean, if he came, that would be uh, an interesting uh, potential. But it's, it's where do you draw the line? If you bring in and loans are, are more than likely the, you know, the young potential stars of, of the big teams, where do you draw the line where you say, uh, Codger, I think you should sit on the bench now and let's give this young guy a go. If Hogan gets fit, are they going to bring in a lone guy that's going to make such a drastic difference or be such a di- such a good name that they would drop Hogan and Codger? Because as soon as they're fit, as we saw with Davis, Davis suddenly drops to the bench uh, when one of those are fit, even though that Davis potentially is a better option, for example, when we I mean, you, you play teams at, away. We've got, what, four, four sort of what you'd call first-team strikers with Davis, Hogan, Codger, um, and then you've got Hepburn Murphy as well. So not all of them can feature every week. So if, if you're bringing in Tammy Abraham or whoever, it is surely because you're bringing them in to improve you and therefore play. I don't see the merit in bringing somebody in on loan to just be part of a squad. Yeah, Abraham, can he score goals? Yes, I think he's, he's basically a like-for-like replacement for someone like Kodjo. He's in the kind of mould of him and Graben. But I th- um, Did he have a good year last year? No. So it's, will he get a Premier League move? Maybe. Will anyone take a Will anyone take a punt? Because Graben came in on loan to cover Codger and ended up being the best striker we had. So that's you know that's obviously why he was starting it towards the end, which doesn't really say much about the other other guys. Graben was the was a kind of player who looked for the ball as well, and he'd find himself out wide a lot. But this is my concern: is are Villa or can can Villa will McGinn and Grealish together make a difference and influence the style of play where they're a, a bit further up in the field, especially Grealish, uh, as as we kind of yeah. mentioned that suddenly a striker is actually all he's doing having to do at the end of the day is just put it away like the fox in the box because that's what Hogan would prefer to do or Hogan would like to be put through you know yeah. on the Kodge, shoulder Kodge is the same yeah. really Kodja wants to be in, in the box and finishing there's no reason why we can't again it's a you know if you've got the the, the, the wide players right be it Green or Elmo or if you know if Snodgrass or whoever comes in you're going to need 
wide men who can actually get forward. It's that having that it's having that dynamism, you know, to have a really solid front five to actually go after teams. Yeah, because I'm hoping Green will stretch teams a bit more because I mean last season we had we didn't really have out and out wingers. I mean Snodgrass and Adoma were were cutting in and scoring, and Adoma was scoring a lot because when it was coming down on the right flank, he was coming in from the left and essentially turning into another centre forward. And maybe that the centre the forwards are suffering because we're not getting in behind the team and getting a ball across where you know a centre forward can obviously just you know put it away. They're they're having to come yeah, they're having to come outside um, the eighteen yard box and kind of look for the ball because they're kind of isolated there. I mean, there's so many times Codger picks up a ball and he's suddenly got yeah, four players around involved, him. Doesn't he? You can tell he gets frustrated. He either drifts out to the left and there's there's moments definitely in the in the um, Wigan game where you just think just get in the box if you hold your position. You know, I know the touch count for these guys is low, but he wants to get involved and that's admirable. But if he holds his position and lets everyone else get into the game, you know, he has to be somewhat disciplined otherwise. Because if you take him out of that attack, you lose any kind of focal point. You know, for example, Hogan holds his position a bit more and he doesn't see the ball because he's holding his position. This is the, no. this is the problem. It's, it's up to Bruce to uh, sort out how we attack although saying that against Wigan we always look like we we're going to score so I don't same as Hull I mean we had yeah. like four shots four shots at goal and scored three of them we maybe had five or six against yeah, well, Wigan McGinn, it was on target McGinn had four shots just on his own so that yeah. suggests there was a bit a little bit of whatever however we fucked it up against Wigan at the back we were going to uh have a go at least I mean granted our equaliser I mean not only was it an own goal but the assist uh, it was assisted by a Wigan player as well I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the, the games, I think Ipswich, Brentford are a, a little level above the teams we've been playing. But uh, I mean, looking looking at the championship as a whole so far, I mean, obviously, when a season starts off, you look at who's the favourites and it's always lazy buckies, journalism, punditry, whatever you want to label it. But it's normally the teams that got relegated from the Premier League. But, you know, I didn't see... Uh, the likes of uh, Sunderland and Middlesbrough last season exactly pulling up well, trees. Sunderland were awful, weren't they? Let's be honest. Um, Stoke haven't started so, well. I mean, looking at this, Middlesbrough have been fancied, but you know they've lost their main threat, Adama Traore, who uh, I think we got, was it three million for because of the uh, three and Something a half like that, probably? Yeah. There was initially talks of all these installments Wolves would be paying, but then it seemed to be a clean deal. So uh, it looked more than likely that we were going to get our 20%. But anyway, Middlesbrough, I think they will be solid. I think playoffs, but I don't see them running away with the league, for example, like Wolves did. But Leeds, Leeds are the team that, it's no coincidence, they wiped the floor with Stoke and Derby. I mean, I fancied them to beat Derby because Derby were woeful in their first game. But Stoke, you don't know if, I mean, they were the favourites at the start of the season. I think Stoke will grow into it, won't they? I think they they won't necessarily start well. The Baggies haven't started well either, but you'd, you you would expect come you know February March time they'll be there or thereabouts. But have you, have you seen Leeds? I mean now Marcelo, they're, they're, uh, they're lively going forward, aren't they? They they put their foot down and they go and they play. He's really had good them football. on like triple training sessions over pre season. He's he's been working their asses, so they play this kind of high pressing. Uh, High tempo, high tempo game, game and in his past his teams always start well because obviously they're pre-season training but then I think A they kind of burn themselves out and B it's hard for the players to mentally sustain that intensity throughout a whole season so they've tended to yeah. fade and, and Leeds uh, I mean they had a good start last season I think they were undefeated after about seven games and at the top and then they obviously slipped back to uh, mid-table this time 
it's pretty much the same team. Yeah, they've, they've obviously got they brought Barry Douglas yeah. in from the Wolves, which is probably a shrewd, shrewd bit of business. Liam Cooper, the captain, and a lot of there's a big difference in uh, Calvin Phillips, who's a kind of DM who gets things going, and he's and it's quite interesting that he's Marcelo has just come in and he's just with the tools he's already got has built something uh, completely dynamically different from last season. Well, I don't want to get it, Bruce, but Bruce is always talking about he, we need two, three more players. We need four more. And I think the squad's pretty good there, at the there's moment. Definitely, there's I definitely there's depth enough. there. I think there's no point in bringing in players unless you can improve what you've got on the on the you know, starting lineup. I don't see the point in just Yeah, I think you should concentrate more on uh, you know what we've just been talking about, you know, getting the attack going and the, getting in identities and you know you should be expecting Kodja to score because we create so many chances, but at he's the not, moment he's not he's not getting chances. It's not you know I think he had a couple of sort of ch- half chances you'd call them. There's probably one that was a better chance against Wigan, but there was certainly he hasn't missed a sitter because he hasn't had it. As I yet. said before, surrounded by about four players, and then he, you know, he'll beat a couple of them and then shoot, and it'll, you know, rebound off the arse of uh, one of the others, and everybody gets frustrated with him. But he's not having an easy, easy life at the moment, and that's more down to Bruce than it is to him. I quite I liked uh, some of the stories coming out from the, you know, Leeds uh, about Marcelo Bielsa, where he asked a member of the staff how much the tickets were for for Leeds games. And then he worked out how long an average f- fan would have to work to afford a ticket. So then he uh, he settled on three hours, and then he made the players pick up litter for three hours just so they un- oh, just so fantastic. they understood what, how much you know football meant to supporters and what supporters actually had to do to afford a ticket. This is, I mean, th- these characters. I love it when they come in and they com- completely transform the culture of of a team. I mean, I also follow Lincoln City because uh, I'm, I'm from there, and Danny Crowley has come in with his brother, and you know they just roots and roots and branch examination got into the community, you know, starting inviting people for free to having open training sessions every week, and really brought the club closer to the you know the community, and it and it transformed because suddenly you've got every, I mean, suddenly they were getting nine or nine or eight uh, thousand season ticket holders and getting gates to 12,000 when back in the day you know when I lived there they'd be looking it's the to get the thing is where supporters want to feel like they're a part movement, of yeah. moving forward yeah movement going forward and they go you know they always use that cliche of you know people believe in the project like you know everyone at Fulham believed in yeah, the Ikanovic yeah. thing or what was going on at Wolves last year you know it's very easy to do that when you're top of the league but you know Fulham came from much further back, but they believed this is the way to do it. Yeah, and it same with the right. Wolves. I mean, all, all Leeds need to do now is win a few more games and, you know, th- their fans will start to really buy into uh, this Argentinian madman. But, you know, he's been, he went to the Great Yorkshire show. He's, he was allegedly seen with a DVD of Kez. People who know their film will uh, know the significance of that. Just to show that he's, you know, he's actually getting into the Yorkshire culture. I wonder if he's, wa- if he's watched the uh, the Damned United yet. <laughs> He might resign. That might change his view. <laughs> Hopefully before uh, before they have to play Villa. I mean, the only other team that has made my eyebrows go up a little is Notts Forest spending. Yeah, from, no- from I mean, nowhere, yeah, they, Where's this money all of a sudden come from? They just snapped up Lewis Graban, so they obviously sold him a dream and obviously did a bit of Mendes magic as well. But you've got to obviously bet it down and gel it and, we'll, you know, we'll I think see what someone like Forest, happens. they could be a a force in the second yeah. half of the season and they might be looking at next season 
realistically, but they won't be in the trouble they were in this year. You know, the, I remember we played them in the um, second half of the season yeah. last year, and they were awful. They, they'd started reasonably well to begin with and, and faded very quickly, but now they could have a bit of staying Yeah, I mean, just year. based on their, their spending, I'm sure their supporters are thinking, well, we're, we're going for the playoffs I mean, there'll be a lot season. of teams that will, Which won't is... there? There's, there's no, from on the face of it, you wouldn't say there's a runaway leader or a, a really sort of dominant team this year. It could be a really competitive season yeah. with probably eight teams who'll all expect to be there and that's why I think if Villa and Bruce gets his shit together that this this can be our year because on the positive side you've got a manager love him or hate him he's been with his team this will be his third season third actual season you know I'm, yeah. I'm not counting the exact how long he's been there and he's got a bulk of his squad that's been with him and let's not forget he brought six players in his the first January window so he he knows his team and you would hope that he could only get better I mean he's he's admitted to making mistakes last season so hopefully he understands his team and he can progress because I think if he can't get promoted this season I think that's the last we 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 hear from him you would think so wouldn't you I mean I think there were times in the second half of the year, you know, with everything going on in his private life at home with his parents and yeah. certain things at Villa where he just, you know, you could tell he was mentally fatigued. Yeah. I'd imagine over the summer he was probably thinking, oh God, it's not, is it, this is not getting any better. Um, so, you know, since the new ownership's come in, all of a sudden he's got his, you know, he's kept his best players. He's got a little bit of money to spend and the scope to actually go and get into yeah. the loan market. I think he'll be possibly feeling this is, a real opportunity here that he might not have expected to have. And Villa Villa know the championship now. They understand it now. As we said uh, earlier on, these teams that get relegated automatically expected to be promoted straight away. But there is a there is a reality is that there, there is the grind of potentially having three games in a week. And yeah. I mean, all three teams that went up last year had been down there a while. And none of those yeah. teams last year that went up had parachute payments. Um, I think was it Fulham it had taken them four years I think it was since they went down Jukanovic had been there for two um, and got them firing you know Wolves had obviously gone all the way down to League One and turned it round and Cardiff had a you know really experienced manager and managed to get the job because one thing people do forget is these players that are, if you if they don't get a move out of the club that's got relegated the season before they were playing in the Premier League now that there's a good chance that in their contract they also have a clause that where their their wages get reduced if they get relegated. Yeah. So suddenly their motivation they're playing in this fucking hard ass league where they've got to play uh, and go to uh, let's say not the most glamorous places in this country. They're getting paid less and it's actually harder work. So their motivation unless they're, you know, of of a certain character, that's why they these teams struggle when they get relegated because yeah. you've got to man up and Villa is, you know, Villa yeah. would have started yeah. to do that and, and they showed that last that the season. Teams that have come down They've come down to this league for a reason yeah. because they didn't. You know, I mean, I look. I remember watching Stoke numerous occasions last year, and they just rolled over against teams. I mean, they were awful. Same as um, Swansea. You know, the baggies towards the end of the season, they'd kind of turned it round under um, you know Big Dave. Um, whether or not he's going to have the tactical know-how to you know navigate a forty odd, you know, forty-six game season is another matter. Yeah. But they would expect to be there about there or thereabouts. But there's no guarantees that they will. Yeah, be. Yeah, no, I've, I've completely forgot about the baggies. I, I think they're the the main I mean, they've, threat they've kept of the teams that went most down. Their, actually, not most, but they've kept the bulk of their players. You know, Swansea got raided on deadline day. They had a dreadful deadline yeah. day. I think they've only got, from what I read, I think they've got one senior centre back. Right. As things stand, you know, they lost their lead striker last year. Obviously Tammy Abraham left. Bearing in mind he had an awful year last year in the in the Premier League on out on loan. Um Stoke have obviously managed to keep people like Butland, Joe Allen, got some experienced players and the Baggies have got Dodgy experience. manager though. 
Very much so. Yeah, but the Baggies also have the feel-good factor of their manager because of what he did at the tail end of last season. So if he gets a good start in the first 10 games, then... Yeah, I think I think they'll expect to be sort of in and amongst it. I don't know if the, the expectation is necessarily to be, you know, top of the table and running away with things, yeah. but they'll, they'll expect to be challenging, as will Bruce, as will a number of managers. Are you feeling positive now? Well, I, I always say that compared to where we were, let's say, three weeks ago... Uh, this is oh, this is vastly. This is all. We good. are vastly ahead of where we thought we were going to be. What could possibly go wrong? But no, I'm just I'm just mm. happy that I've got three players now in the Villa team I can hang my hat on, so to speak. Do you know, as well, it's nice to have with <laughs> McGinn and Grealish and a couple of other guys. At least you know you're going to get some entertainment yeah. and someone you know takes some takes some enjoyment from watching. Somebody as well. who's up for the fight. I mean, the one thing well, I was going to say, the one thing about Snodgrass, but you know, Snodgrass had many attributes. But one thing that he did offer straight away was a bit of tenacity in the midfield. That he, you know, even though he was obviously on the right hand side. And had a bit more battle and grit than we than we had before, but now we've got it bang in the middle of the park. And this is a guy who does get around, so he does suddenly give you that energy. And he's just dynamic. He's dynamic, isn't he? I think he's. We we discussed this the other day, and that there aren't that many in the Villa team who you think when they're having a really bad game, he will still put a shift in, influence the game. And you think with McGinn, he might not be doing anything going forward, but in the centre of the park, you know, in the centre of the park. When he needs to put his foot in, he will. He's not really easy. He's going to shirk tackles and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you his all. I mean, a lot of Hibs fans said that he never gives up. So to all those Villa fans who are leaving that Wigan game uh, to beat the traffic, we've got McGinn now. And as you obviously, well, you didn't see because you missed it. <laughs> we can we can win games in the dying stages now. So it's worth all sticking around. Twice we've come from behind to win yeah. a game. I think we only did that twice in the whole of last season, didn't I we? I think that's the note to finish on, actually. Stick around. Yeah, get your money's get worth. Get your money's worth. You're paying enough for it. Yeah, this it takes you three hours of litter picking to remember to uh, pay for that ticket. Well, according to the Leeds United science, anyway. Maybe Leeds will offer Gabby a contract doing litter picking duty. Yeah, now we're getting uh, now we're getting silly. I think it's time now to uh, say goodbye. Actually, we started recording this podcast in daylight, which is a first for a My Own Man Said podcast. Normally, you hear wolves and owls howling and tweeting in the background. It's normally like the midnight hour. Anyway, please do support the show. We're going to bring you the show a lot more frequently now. I want to do some more location stuff, you know, more interviews and getting out and about. So please do support the show if you are not already uh, by becoming a My Own Man Said patron, uh, as I said at the top of the show. Go to myownmansaid.com and click on the patrons option on the menu bar also uh if you're listening on itunes please do uh, give it a review with five stars and then you can say whatever you want slag off dan rogers if you want he's a mercurial talent we we miss him so much we need him back just imagine three-way podcasts like it used to wow it's the future well, that's the future. how it started we had uh young chad wren who just who disappeared so until the next podcast where hopefully steve bruce will be a happy man in his post-match press conference it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said. Snap, what a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound I've found. You may clap, rap, tap.
Snap, slap, but snap Makes the world go round Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies I say it's crackle, the crispy sound You gotta have crackle or the clock's not wound Geese cackle, feathers tickle, bells buckle, beats pickle But crackle makes the world go round Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies I insist that pops the sound The best is missed unless pops around You can't stop hopping when the cereal's popping Pop makes the world go round Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies Let's go! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... Another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.